itself gives up contagion to this world. Hello from the other side to you, Johanna. And hello from the other side to you, Linnea. So how has your week been? I'm sick. Okay. But and I don't think... I mean, I can't hear that you're sick. I hope not. Okay. Uh, I still have some uh, congestion in the nose area. I hope that's not too bothersome, but it is a little bit um, tricky for me at the moment. Okay. But um, but I'm, I'm getting better. How are you feeling? I'm good. Yeah. But I'm, I feel like I'm going to get sick after this. Sorry. Because that's what happened last time. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was sick for two weeks. Seriously? Yeah. I got, I, I don't know what you had, but you had, you had the plague, man. That's usually what happens, apparently. Yeah. With me. I get fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, so I've been sick, so I haven't done a lot. But we've been researching for this episode, and what are we going to be talking about today? Well, we're going to be talking about some haunted dolls. Yeah. And also... I really wanted to dig into why people are afraid of dolls or find that they're creepy. Yeah. And no one really questions it. So I really dove in. Good. Is dove in a word? Yes. But, um, and what did you focus on this week more? I focused on telling you guys some stories about haunted dolls. So, um, I've been trying to kind of stray away a little bit from the most common cases so no annabelle today no annabelle today we're gonna have robert because he is an origin of the species but he's um, an origin of the species yeah kind of i love that (laughs) but you know annabelle just we have kind of uh, decided to put her on a different episode on a shelf (laughs) <laughs> on a shelf for a different episode. So um, you'll be hearing about Annabelle, but not in today's episode. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to tell you some stories about haunted dolls. You're going to be telling us about... Uh, I guess the science. The science <laughs> like behind a, it. I've been doing the past... <laughs> I'm the skeptic. And, and uh... I am the one who believes. <laughs> for Mulder and Scully. <laughs> because I've uh, I've really been listening to the sleep paralysis episode. Yeah? Uh, yeah, and I'm... I'm such a skeptic compared. I'm so, I'm such a shitty person. To no, answer. you're not. Because everything you tell me, I'm like, yeah, but did that happen? Really? Can well, it's a natural. That? Here's the thing. I believe that also the reason why you were particularly skeptical in that episode is because it scares you. Yeah, I I did not want anything to be true. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, I I'm perfectly fine with that, and I am. I, I understand that sometimes you need things to not be true in order to, like, live. <laughs> and I'm fine being debunked <laughs> under those um, pretenses. Okay, that, that feels a lot better. Yeah. We'll say that that was the entire... <laughs> but I thought it was a good episode. I, I was really proud of that episode. Yeah, I really liked... I really enjoyed it, too. Yeah. I am... Um, if this goes to shit, I'm still really proud of what we created. Right? Yeah. But did you have any more sleep paralysis after that? <laughs> yes. You did? I got it. Not that... I did not sleep that night. I started going in and out of just between states that entire night. Um, and then I've had... I had sleep paralysis, I think, three three days ago. Yeah. But it was a really nice one. <laughs> what happened? The Friends cast were <laughs> were in my apartment. All of them? No, Ross was not there. Of course. 
where the fuck was Ross? No. And they were just like, so I was just lying in my bed watching them go about their business in my apartment. And they, they made an entrance because my bed looks straight to like the door frame. Yeah. And they made an entrance by like sticking their heads in one by one. Oh my <laughs> god, that is such a sitcom thing. Yeah. And it was I was okay with it then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I've been having a lot recently half area sleep places where i have been having sleep paralysis on my side uh. and feeling that i can't move because i just sleep paralysis yeah um and i've sort of learned when i have sleep paralysis this week it's really weird okay i can feel that my hands are supposed to be in front of my face but they're not there huh. that's when i know i'm in a sleep paralysis cool mm-hmm. it's really really strange feeling i can feel that they're there but I can't see them, and then I know that I'm not awake. Yeah. Wow, that's interesting. And that's interesting. something I've been working on, not on purpose. It's just yeah. that I, I haven't slept for, I've had a really bad week, well, two weeks. Yeah. And that is something that I've sort of learned during these two weeks. But that's... I haven't seen anything that's really, like, scared me or anything, yeah. which is really nice. <laughs> but that's, that's really interesting, because that's kind of what I was talking about with, like, doing little check-ins with yourself. Like, this wouldn't happen if I was awake, so... Yeah, your token. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Your inception token. My inception token. A little Leo. <laughs> yeah. Well, with a little Leo, let's talk about other doll-faced creatures. <laughs> <laughs> My God. I'm so sorry. No, that was amazing. <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> Hit it. Maybe we're more human than anyone else. We see so much trouble, we get to hate the world. Okay. I started really dramatically, and I really regret it now. Okay. Where is it now? Oh, fuck. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, okay, yes, that is the... put me there. Put me there. <laughs> Where is it now? Where is it sitting? Where is it hiding? Hiding spelled wrong. <laughs> Maybe you saw it in the attic. Maybe it's an antique your grandma refuses to throw away. Maybe it's always in the corner of your eye. Or maybe it's not there because you're smart enough to not live with dolls. <laughs> Amen on that last one. Yeah, just don't have dolls, guys. Yeah. It's a waste of money. Okay. Okay, <laughs> go for it. Okay. We've all seen creepy dolls, and naturally the extent of a person's reaction to a creepy doll depends. Well, yeah, it's a person-to-person thing. But I don't think anyone can deny that they've never seen a scary doll in their life. I wasn't like a really doll person growing up. Well, I had the Barbies and I had the Bratz. Yeah but never the classic creepy lifelike doll. I've only, I think, ever had two interactions with creepy dolls in my entire life. First time was at a sleepover when I was, I think I was maybe 10, and the place where we were sleeping literally had a slappy from Goosebumps ventriloquist. No. Uh, Yeah, it was just a flat out replica. And it sat in the darkest corner of the room where we, like in the room we were sleeping in. Was it Halloween? Like who does that for home decor? I don't know why you would choose a ventriloquist doll instead of a nice fern. Yeah. A ventriloquist doll, it's not okay. It's annoying me. I'm getting really angry at that. (laughs) I think it's something you buy if you're lonely. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. And naturally everyone was really scared of it and refused to sleep close to it. Uh, My second creepy doll experience was at my friend Sophie's house where her mom has a clown well, it's a clown porcelain doll, which sits on like a swing or perch. And according to Sophie, it's never still. Fuck. I, it's always slightly swing back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> but I've seen it still, so. Sophie's a bitch. Yeah, she's a liar. <laughs> and then again, if it's on a swing, it just, it, it's 
kind of science. Yeah, it's it a little moves. susceptible yeah. to wind movement. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I'm not directly afraid of dolls, but if someone claims that there's something off with one, I'm totally not going to look in its eyes, and I'm definitely going to kiss its ass. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I'm just going to, what a pretty dress you have. Yeah. I love your eye color. Like, what's that? Do you wear mascara? Is the Koreans it love you. You're so pretty. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when researching this, I did find the absolute scariest doll I have ever seen. And this is the doll I showed you right before the show. Yeah. And no, I don't actually think we're going to put it up on the Instagram because I think... You it, can't watch it again. You can look no, at it again. No, I cannot look at that again. Uh, and I'm sort of afraid that if I put it on the Instagram, it will permanently curse us. Because that's how it works. Um, but it was like a mannequin with a twisted neck and like a broken body built together again. It looked like it was a, one of those photos that people take to be creepy. Like a stock photo almost for creepy. But uh, no, I get it. Are you afraid of dolls, Joanna? No, I, I, I'm I, not. I was a little bit creeped out when researching yesterday and you'll find out why. Oh. But no, I've ne- I, I personally had a lot of dolls growing up. I had porcelain dolls and I had, uh, I was a, massive barbie fan but that kind of has its own category i had a lot of baby dolls but no i i've never been scared of dolls i I don't really find them creepy and you know that that photo that you talked about that was more of like a mannequin and yes i definitely see the creepy aspects of that but it doesn't affect me personally okay so interesting but I'm not really that shocked. <laughs> <laughs> what? Because I'm a bad bitch? <laughs> no, but I, I, you don't seem like someone who's just scared of dolls. No, I think it's really fascinating. Just um, speaking of mannequins, my boyfriend, we watch a lot of horror together and he plays a lot of horror video games. He is deadly afraid of mannequins. Seriously? Yeah, he has a huge mannequin phobia and he attributes that to the game series and the movie Silent Hill. Have you seen those? Oh yeah, I've well I've seen them. Not because there them. are these nurses in it that are kind of mannequin-esque and they sort of move in this very disjointed way and he attributes that to a mannequin that stands still yes kind of fearing that it will start moving like that (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah they move sort of unpredictably because they're stiff but then also kind of having this anthropomorphic figure which i know you'll get into a little bit later with uncanny valley and Mm -hmm. and how this human aspect of of dolls and, and mannequin specifically it's definitely creepy yeah yeah but I, but it, interesting, creepy. Yeah, yeah, but it seems to, that Silent Hill actually has harvested a lot of fucking mannequin phobias around the <laughs> I world. I think it just started a lot of phobias. Period. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Okay. Well, when we're talking about phobias, so the fear or phobia of dolls is called pediophobia, which directly translated means the fear of little children. And pediophobia is a form of automatonophobia, which is a fear of humanoid figures like robots, wax figurines, statues. Which I feel is a really, like, legit fear. Yeah, and that is something I feel way more creeped out about. Yeah. Wax figures used to scare me a lot as a kid. Okay. Auto- but what did you say the word was? Why would you do this to me? <laughs> Automatonophobia. Good girl. Automatonophobia. That's eight syllables. Yeah, it's a difficult one. Automatonophobia. It is probably one of the most beautiful words I've ever heard, and it's that's what I learned this week. <laughs> I love Good. it. <laughs> Okay, and people with this fear, some like only fear stuffed toys, some just dolls, some fear just certain types of dolls, like some only feel the porcelain dolls are creepy, some mannequins, etc. Mm. However, I think maybe applying a phobia to someone who just thinks dolls are creepy or freaky 
is a bit of an overstatement. Yeah. Yeah. I believe many times it's a bit of a hyperbole. Yeah. They're creeped out, but it's not a real phobia, since a phobia is an anxiety disorder. But the thing about dolls specifically is that there is a socially accepted and acknowledged like creepiness in dolls that people don't really question. We just sort of accept that people don't like them and some fear them or yeah. just get the heebie-jeebies. So my question is, why do people fear dolls? Or why is there this like creepiness aspect to them? And why is this fear not applied to like teddy bears or toy trucks or even actually Barbies? Because I mean, they're all made of the same material practically. Yeah, and they're humanoid. Humanoid, exactly. So why specifically a certain kind of doll? And according to David H. Rosemarin, PhD, ABPP, which stands for the American Board of Professional Psychology. Got it. I had to look that up because so many acronyms. Dr. Rosemarin is the director of the Spirituality and Mental Health Program at McLean Hospital and is an assistant professor of psychology in the Department of Psychiatry. So I'm, t- I'm trusting him entirely. Sure, yeah. 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 Give it to me, doctor. I'm not going to question anyone with the, like, acronyms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, any hoosers. He explains that children aren't naturally afraid of creepy horror symbols. Rather, fear is a conditional response that we learn over time, which makes sense. We aren't born with preconceptions of what is dangerous or scary. We learn these things from outside factors as we grow and make mistakes and our parents and society teaches us. So it takes living to realize or to associate dolls with fear. Yeah. Dr. Rosemary suggests that pop culture has affected how we perceive dolls. So my question still stands, where did it start then? Who planted that seed? So I started researching dolls in pop culture and how far back the quote-unquote evil doll has been around. The concept of the evil doll has been around for, I mean, it's been around for decades. This is going to be a long rambling list of just evil dolls in pop culture, so just bear with me. Yeah. And it's going to be in a chronological order. Uh, I'm not going to take every single, I'm just going to like, yeah, say those that have affected the entire celebrityism, if that is a word. Yeah, sure. We have (laughs) the Devil Doll, released already in 1936. Devil Doll, not the Devil Doll, but Devil Doll in 1964. There was the Living Doll episode on Twilight Zone, which was in 1966. Uh, then there was the 1978 film Magic, starring a very young Anthony Hopkins, who played a ventriloquist. Hmm. And then the infamous Child's Play yeah, from course. 1988, which introduced Chucky. Uh, and the modern Scary Doll was really pushed forward in dead silence in 2007 Mm. and then the ultimate scary doll as we see it today is most likely extremely affected by annabelle from the conjuring which was in 2013 yeah okay so during my research i had sort of a, a revelation i found one of the earliest things that have ever terrified me uh when i was at I think max six years old, I saw a commercial for like monster figurine dolls on TV and they terrified me so much. Really? Yeah. And I I remember lying in bed with my eyes wide open, staring at the door the entire night, afraid that the toys would find me. I have really weird intonation. (laughs) (laughs) Find me? (laughs) And as an adult, I've been like, you know, what kind of toys would that even have been? Who would make horror toys? But the thing is, I remember so clearly that they were very, like, macabre and had, like, weapons for hands and stuff. Hmm. And last week, I found the commercial of my childhood fears. You did? I 
did. And it was a commercial for the Puppet Master action figures. Okay, I've never heard of mm, this. You haven't heard of that? No. Mm. Okay. So, okay. The Puppet Master series is a franchise introduced in 1989, which features evil anthropomorphic puppets with knives and just different types of weapons for hands. I think we need to upload that to our Instagram later or yeah. Facebook because it's really entertaining as well. I'm really curious now. They're kind of cute. They're creepy but cute. <laughs> the thing right. is that it's getting a reboot. The, the entire franchise really? yeah, is getting a reboot. Cool. All mm-hmm. right. And so, well, I've been talking about the creepy dolls that film my life. Do you have any creepy doll stories out there? Um, well, I thought we might kick it off big and I'll tell you about Robert because we have to. Yes. Yeah. You want to hear? My ear holes are open. Good. Anyone who's ever looked into haunted dolls has, of course, come across the case of Robert. I just realized that my vocal fry is way worse than usual, so I'm, I'm going to apologize in advance for that. It's but... sort of the sexy Phoebe voice. <laughs> I'm trying my best. Uh, so the first record of Robert originates from 1904 when a young boy by the name of Robert Eugene Otto was gifted the doll. So the doll is obviously named after its owner. Nope. So so for the sake of clarity, we'll call Robert the doll Robert and Robert the boy Gene, as that's the name that he went by. Okay. Now, there are two versions one might come across when reading about Robert. The first one is sort of favored by skeptics, and that is that Gene received Robert as a birthday gift from his grandfather, who had purchased him on a trip to Germany. The other version is slightly more spooky, and that is that Robert was given Gene... <laughs> so close. The other way around. <laughs> Robert was given to Jean as sort of a malicious gift by the family's young maid, who was this woman of Bahamian descent, who supposedly had put a voodoo curse on the doll in order to punish young Jean for his misbehaviors. So, you know. My skeptical hippo face is. <laughs> Totally I knew it. I knew right it would now, be. Yes. I knew it would be. Um, but either way, when the doll was later exhibited at the East Martello Museum, it was found that the doll had been manufactured by the Steiff Company, which is a German company. Okay, okay. And a Steiff historian told the museum that most likely Robert was never actually intended to be sold as a toy, but as a mannequin. Did you know that? No, but very interesting, actually. <laughs> right? Yeah. If you've never seen Robert before, I'll give you a short description. He's fairly large, pretty much the size of a real human child. Oh, he's that big. He's big. Okay. He has sort of this sponge-like skin with a in, a, in this brownish-yellow tone, um, and his face is not very defined. It mainly just has, like, this kind of shape of a head, but then there's, like, a point where the nose should be that is kind of combed in the front, and then his eyes are these two black beads. He's filled with straw, so he has a pretty, like, taut body. Oh, he's not soft then. He crunches. No. Yeah. And throughout the years, Robert has sustained quite some wear and tear, almost making it appear like his face is full of scars. And he's dressed in this little sailor suit, which most likely actually belonged to Jean and wasn't supplied by the Stife Company. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, but basically what you have is like this conduit for Jean, because you're naming him your name, you're putting him in your clothes, and if you know anything about witchcraft... (laughs) That's kind of what you do. Like, that's why you use... If I want to make a spell for you, it's logical for me to use something of you, like a piece of hair, for example, because it has a tie to your physical body. So, I'm just saying... I have a question, then. Please, please do ask. Yes. So, if his father did buy this doll on a trip... Grandfather. Grandfather 
if his grandfather did buy this doll on a trip, did he just buy a naked, straw-filled, sponge-faced, huge mannequin? doll then? Mannequin But thing? That's, that's the thing. I have no idea. It's very, like... It doesn't really make sense how he became in possession of this doll because, like I said, it was ma- it was probably not even supposed to be sold as a as a toy. So maybe he walked <laughs> by a store window and saw it in the window and thought it looked like his grandson with like zero facial features. <laughs> but I don't know. Somehow he he got his hands on it. Okay. Or was the Bahamian maid? I mean, that's starting to sound pretty plausible right now right? yeah well so as legend would have it gene instantly formed a very strong some would say unnerving bond to robert he would treat the doll as his equal as if it was in fact a real boy he would often blame his mischief on the doll and staff at the auto household claimed to be able to hear gene speaking to robert and robert answering back in a completely different voice i'm not okay with that yeah i figured you wouldn't be yeah <laughs> They could also hear Robert giggling, and some nights the family would wake up to the hysterical screams of Gene, only to find him terrified in his bed with all the furniture in his room overturned, and Robert sitting at the foot of his bed gleefully. And he still continues to be friends with his doll? I mean, at some point you also have to like start respecting it as its own as its own entity and like not piss it off. But do you think like that when you're in his when you're at his age? I don't know, man. Because again, we don't know if it was Gene who did that. The thing and is, blame it's... the doll. Exactly. It sounds like Gene can have some pretty <laughs> problems. <laughs> Which would also confirm why this Bahamian maid was like, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Here, you little piece of shit. (laughs) Just filled with voodoo, this thing is. Well, soon mutilated toys began showing up, and Jean, when confronted, would always claim Robert did it. People also claimed to witness Robert change facial expressions. Sometimes he would have moved from one place to another without anybody having been there to move him. Other objects would also have moved without explanation. For example, one plumber who had been hired for repairs around the auto's home claimed that he could hear children's laughter, even though Gene was not at the residence. When he would look around the room, he noticed how Robert had moved from one side to the other, seemingly all on his own. These childish mischiefs would keep occurring as Jean grew older, and once Jean left the nest and moved out, Robert was permanently sat in a chair by a window on the second floor in Jean's childhood room, overlooking the street below where people could see him. Why are they keeping this goddamn doll? Because clearly Gene loved him. He didn't bring him with him when he moved out. <laughs> because he was trying to go to college be well, a man. You, you can bring the doll, just put it on your bed. Yeah, but you won't get any friends. The thing is, from what I hear about Gene, is that he's not going to get any friends anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean... I think it's so fascinating because it does bring up the conversation of are dolls susceptible to the humanizing factors that we tend to put on or or the humanizing aspects that we tend to give them because they look humanoid. Ooh, I'm going to talk about that a lot. Ooh, nice. Yes. I'll keep going then. (laughs) Passerbys would swear that they could sense the doll following them with his gaze and sometimes disappearing only to reappear facing another direction the next time they passed. (laughs) I love that these people are like, 
His beady eyes follow us. <laughs> right? Because they're, they're literally like pins. <laughs> yes, exactly. They're <laughs> also extremely tiny. So the fact that you can see the eyes from maybe like the second story window is yeah. how. <laughs> but the part about them claiming that he was in a different position the first time That's, than the second time yes, is creepy. That is creepy. Um, according to local folklore, people would blame Robert for having caused anything from car accidents, job loss, and divorce to severe injury. I'm starting to feel sorry for Robert. Right? <laughs> he. It doesn't sound like he's really done anything mean. And I was like, Robert did it. Poor Robert. I mean, this might seem pretty convenient. That's the thing, you know? Like, yeah. he keeps being blamed for Well, the whipping stuff. boy. Yeah. Yeah. But this will play in a little bit later. We're going to like Robert a little bit less, aren't we? Yeah. I mean, the thing is that I feel like the whole Robert did it thing. I could understand how a little boy would say that. But like, how is it the talk of the town? How is it something that people are like, oh, I fucking crashed my car. Robert did it. You know, but maybe there was something else there that made people actually feel like he had something to do with it. Do you know how, like, the size of the town was? Was it a small town? It was um, Key West, Florida. In seven, in the 70s? No, no, no. Uh, he died in the 70s. This was early 1900s. Okay. I have no idea what the population was. Same. <laughs> Whether the year. I don't even know why I asked. <laughs> I was thinking, if it was a really small town, then it's really natural that a town creates, like, urban legends and stories and oh that's haunted especially if there's a doll in the window that everyone can see exactly if this house is very prominent and is that special family and they have a doll in the window of course they're gonna start talking that's what small tangent because um my dad grew up in a small town and they had a quote-unquote haunted house yeah and everyone knew that um they called her swatta madame Uh, the black madam yeah the black madam she was sitting in the window in the attic and looking out yeah Everyone knew that. So it's, I think, people constructing something. Sure, yeah. I want to believe that. <laughs> As an adult, Gene went on to become a famous artist. And after his parents' death, he moved back into his childhood home along with his wife, Annette. Visitors claimed that the strange ongoings with things moving on their own would still happen, as well as hearing footsteps from above in the room where Robert sat. Eventually, Gene's wife, Annette, was so creeped out by Robert that she asked her husband to get rid of it. Robert then had to take up residence in the attic where he understandably didn't like it. Wait, so getting rid of it was, we're just going to move him up one level? I don't think he could bear getting rid of the doll. Like, this was very sentimental for him. Because now he's an adult, and he's had this doll forever, and his grandfather gave it to him. So I understand that part, but he put it in the attic, basically. People would hear him pacing, tapping, and even, quote, devilishly giggling. What is it? but neighborhood kids would however claim that robert would mock them on their way to school in the very room where robert had sat by the window for so many years and when gene found out about this he immediately went to investigate he himself knew of the extraordinary things robert had been up to as he grew up but as he knew he had locked him into the attic he didn't think it would be possible that robert would have moved back to the upstairs bedroom but lo and behold, as Gene opened the door to his old bedroom, he was shocked to find Robert in his chair, looking at the window. Gene would continually lock Robert into the attic, but time and time again, had to retrieve him from the bedroom they had once shared in childhood. 
There are some reports that Annette would go on to, quote, dying from insanity, but this seems really fruitless. Uh, Jean died in 1974 and his wife two years later. There's nothing that speaks for her going crazy and then how do you die from insanity why didn't she divorce i would divorce someone with a haunted doll <laughs> that is really? one of the most re- le- like legit reasons to break up with someone if they oh. refused to give up a haunted doll <laughs> i love that all right um when the pair had passed robert along with the auto home would be purchased and owned by merle reuter and reportedly all of robert's mischief would continue throughout the 20 years he was in reuter's possession in 1994, Robert was donated by Reuter to the East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida, where Robert now lives in a glass box, and visitors flock to come see him. Do you know what kind of museum that is? Is it a haunted museum? or No, that was the thing, because she gave them Robert, and they were like, we don't really know what to do with this, but sure. Um, and then for some reason, like, word got out that this museum had a haunted doll, so people started showing up being like, where's Robert? And they had him like in the staff room because there was no, they had nothing to to put him in. Mm -hmm. And so that obviously made them feel like, all right, we got to put him on display. People really want to see this kid. And has Robert moved from outside that glass box anything? No. Which is interesting. That, That he hasn't. Maybe he's happy being the center of attention. I think so too. Well, staff at the museum claim that Robert will often have electronics malfunction, flickering the lights, and his facial expression changes. What fucking facial expression? <laughs> he doesn't have any facial features. I don't know. Some have <laughs> even claimed to see him putting a little hand up against the glass. That's kind of cute, though. Yeah. It's a very Titanic-esque. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a sexual context. Oh, was that too much for you? Robert is a child. I feel for him. No, he's really old. Yeah, but he's still a child. He looks like a child, but he's... He's not. He's He's a a real boy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what seems to be the overall consensus is that you must treat Robert with respect. Visitors who take his photo without asking first have experienced their cameras malfunctioning and even going haywire. And others who speak disrespectfully about him or doubt his real boyness have many claimed to be followed by a string of terrible misfortunes. In fact, Robert's glass case is next to covered in letters from visitors asking for his forgiveness and to please end their suffering. Reportedly, Robert receives up to three letters every day, and many bring him gifts in the form of sweets, money, and occasionally joints. (laughs) Oh, I read that, yes. And that is the story of Robert the Haunted Doll. Okay. Let's go into the skeptic side now. Science. Science. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm going to talk about right now. Yeah. I'm going to talk about some really hardcore science to save my soul. <laughs> okay. So we're going to talk about something that you alluded to earlier, which is the Uncanny Valley. Yes, I love that. It's so interesting and yeah. I'm so excited to talk about it. Okay. So why do we find these dolls so creepy or scary? Robert has done a lot of scary things. Uh, But if we look at it from the perspective that he hadn't done these creepy things and he only looked the way he did and was totally inanimate, he would still be a bit creepy. So when studying this topic, I came across an article by Jesse Single, which was published at The Cut. 
The article, A New Study of Robot Faces, suggests the theory that the Uncanny Valley is real. Now, I had my own theories about what I believed creep people out about dolls, and that was the fact that I believe that when we as humans see something human-like, we want it to work like we do. We expect it to work like we do. For humans to understand and comprehend new things and concepts, we place them into categories and compare them to what we already know. Yeah. We know what children look like, and we know how they move, sound, and work. But our minds, when they see a doll, something that resembles a child, our mind puts it into a compartment where children are, and therefore the mind sort of applies the expectations we have on children, but then on dolls. Yeah. So to some extent, we expect them to act like children. If it looks human, then it's supposed to act human. We expect it to blink, breathe, sound, and move. But we also know that it's an inanimate object, which is a compartment which it also falls into. Inanimate. 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 Thank you. <laughs> so the mind, I think, sort of gets confused and uncertain of what it expects of the doll. Yeah. Okay, back to the article I mentioned mm-hmm. <laughs> after that tangent. In this article, they discuss a concept called the Uncanny Valley. The Uncanny Valley, proposed by the Japanese roboticist Mashiro Mori in 1970, is explained as such. And this is to quote, while there's an overall relationship between how human a robot looks and how friendly humans will find it, there's a catch. As you approach humanness, there's a point at which robots, from a human perspective, occupy in a natural, uncomfortable-seeming middle ground. They're pretty human, but still identifiably something else, unquote. And because of this, people are finding robots that look human-like, threatening, and also undefinable. We don't know really what they are. Whereas robots that don't look human are compartmentalized as robots, since they're the classic sort of like metal bot. The robots that look human fall into the uncanny valley. And this feeling of unease among uncanny valley robots is most likely caused by the fact that the robot does not elicit any human emotions or feelings. There are no muscles in the face that show what they're thinking or any life behind the glossy eyes. Yeah. <laughs> now naturally, like all theories, this concept, although popular, hasn't received much empirical support. According to researchers at Stanford and the University of California, Maya B. Mather and David Reichling discuss in their paper, this is going to be a long one, Navigating a Social World with Robot Partners, a Quantitative Cartography of the Uncanny Valley. How the theory of Uncanny Valley sounds good, but actually doesn't map out how humans perceive robots. They conducted an experiment showing faces of 80 real robots and tested how the participants rated the likability of the robot's faces versus the interaction between them and the robot. And the diagrams show that when looking at photos of the robots, the most human robot was the most likable. But during interaction, it was the least likable. Huh. Right? Yeah. So maybe if we segue from that and apply the theory to dolls, the fear might lie more in the interaction, the being near a doll and having to interact with it, and not the actual doll. Maybe it's more the power we put into the doll, the social constructions, the preconceived notions, than the actual doll itself that's creepy, that's gonna haunt us. Sure, I think it's really fascinating because I think that it really connects to that whole thing that, like you were talking about, as humans we have a, you know, one of our biggest brain functions is recognizing other humans. And we do that by the fact that they look like other humans, they look like us. Mm -hmm. And when there's something so realistic looking, because that's kind of what I feel like most of these dolls sure they're humanoid but they don't look like actual humans I mean now there are real dolls and and other things that do look like very very human-like but you know your average doll doesn't look like a person no no um and then that expectance of like the way that your brain looks at it and subconsciously expects it to act a certain way and then it doesn't 
I think that kind of connects to the whole thing of like, you know, how there's so many horror movies and stories about people escaping, for example, insane asylums because we kind of demonize and fear people with mental illnesses because they don't act the way that we expect human beings to act. They're unpredictable, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm going to talk about exactly this later on as well. And that's kind of an interesting facet, I think, because I think it goes into that whole thing of, of humans having a certain expectance from other humans. And there's some kind of glitch where we see something where the brain recognizes it as human, like a robot or a doll, mm-hmm. and it's not. Exactly. It's fascinating. And yeah. I think that it plays such a big role in this entire like discourse of haunted dolls. Yeah, and the phobia, it makes a yeah. lot of sense because there's literally your brain at work being distorted by, you know, the communication line kind of gets disrupted. Cool. Yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so not on the topic of Uncanny Valley, but I still want to talk about this doll named Ukiku. And the reason I do that segue is because she's not as humanoid as many other baby dolls, but there is something very creepy about her anyway, and it's not because she's haunted. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, so Ukiku is this Japanese doll in this beautiful traditional kimono who a young boy bought as a gift for his three-year-old little sister in 1918. The girl's name was Ukiku. And why not make another conduit by naming a doll after yourself and loving it hard? <laughs> like loving people, it hard. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of, when you put energy into a thing, it accepts that energy. Like, it's gonna get fucked. <laughs> Well, sadly, the following year, the young girl passed away due to a heavy fever. And it was around that time that the family members got a good look at the doll and asked themselves, didn't her hair used to be shorter? Stop it. (laughs) When Ukiku, the doll, came into the child's possession, she had sported a black, it's called an okapa, um, hairstyle with straight bangs and a sharp cut right by the jawline. Sort of this, you know, traditional... Uh, Japanese women's hairstyle. Okay. Well, now, the family was putting the doll their daughter had loved so much in a shrine of remembrance dedicated to the girl. And they realized that its hair was extending way past her waistline and had raggedy, uneven ends. Oh, yeah, that's the creepy part. The raggedy (laughs) ends. When the family eventually moved, they wanted to leave the doll behind, perhaps fearing that the paranormal hair growth was due to the doll being so close to the grave where their daughter had been laid to rest. So they informed the monks at the Maneji temple of the doll's story, and they agreed to take it in. This is where Ukiku the doll still sits at an altar, and according to the monks, her hair is still growing and being regularly trimmed. The trimming might seem risky, but apparently one of the monks claimed that Okiku had come to him in a dream and asked him to do so, so I guess this is his job now. Apparently, a sample of Okiku's hair was sent for testing, and it confirmed that the hair indeed was to be from a human child. What might be even creepier is that upon coming close to Okiku's slightly open little mouth, people claimed to see her growing teeth. Okay, comments. Mm? I can believe that you make a doll with human hair. Sure. I want it tested for DNA. Put that on the list to do. Mm-hmm. And then the human teeth growing. That's a weird one, because how old was the girl when she died? Three. Don't you have, like, a really good set of baby teeth? Uh, I mean, like, human teeth, then? I mean, you haven't got your adult teeth. No. But you have human teeth. I don't know if... if you if... have human teeth? <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know if this, if it even is the girl, you know? It's just no matter, no how, the doll is possessed or not, the hair is growing. And even if it's human hair, human hair doesn't keep growing when it's been chopped off. No. And that is fucking freaky. And the hair started growing after she died. No, but they first noticed that the hair was longer than it was when they had first become in possession of the doll. Hmm. Which makes sense when you have a child who has a toy. It's not... You no, know. they're very possessive of them. Yeah, it's, yeah, it makes sense that you wouldn't, like, study the doll every single day. No. It's creepy. Yeah. So how did dolls become creepy, Lamia? Well, <laughs> I'm actually going to uh, talk a little about the history of the creepy doll and how it came to be. Ooh. Okay. In 2015, Linda Rodriguez McRobbie wrote in the history of creepy dolls for the Smithsonian that in the Pollock's Toy Museum, a little museum in Bloomsbury, London, visitors of the museum many times entirely skipped the last room, which is the doll room. Mm-hmm. Visitors would rather walk all the way back to the museum's entrance than go through that room. Ken Hoyt, an employee of seven years at the museum, says, It just freaks them out! <laughs> <laughs> and further explains that the majority of those who are frightened aren't children, but actually adults, and says, oh, I think people just dismiss them. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're doing great. The thing is, I'm quoting him, quoting someone else now. All right. Okay, okay. I think people to just dismiss them. Oh, I'm scared of dolls. Almost humorously. I can't look at those. I hate them. Laughingly, jokingly. He explains that most people come out laughing and saying, I hated that last room. That was terrible. I think I just witnessed a real case of possession here because you became someone else. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, everyone from Britain. As previously stated, there is an acceptance in our society when it comes to fearing dolls and people just joke it away. Rodriguez McRobbie writes in her article that dolls have been a part of humans' lives for thousands of years. In 2004, a 4,000-year-old doll was unearthed in an archaeological dig. So they've been here for a really, really long time. Yeah, it makes sense. And it's a quite recent phenomenon that we see dolls as creepy. Before the 18th and 19th centuries, dolls weren't real enough to be, like, threatening or or even feel lifelike. Mm. It was when dolls became more lifelike that they also became more threatening and creepy. It also happened... (laughs) (laughs) Did you just poop yourself? (laughs) Holy shit. Oh my god, are you okay? I'm okay. I think Annabelle's outside the door. (laughs) Why would you say that? Okay, we're surrounded by dogs, by the way. If uh, you've been hearing some paws and some heavy breathing, it's not me. It's <laughs> so much as you. It's one of the dogs. Okay. Okay. It all happened when doll manufacturers figured out how to make dolls look more lifelike, but also make them function like humans, pretty much. Like giving them the ability to blink, talk, even pee, or using just material that made them feel like humans. Yeah. With the blinking, I mean this, it's called the sleepy eye creation. Hoyt, our friend from the museum, (laughs) explains that the dolls people find most disturbing are the more lifelike ones, or the ones that have started to decay in inhuman ways. Quote, okay. The dolls don't age well. 
I think any time that a doll really tries to look like a human being, and now it's 100 years old, the hair is decaying, the eyes don't work anymore. So it looks as much like a baby as possible, but like an ancient way. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> Hoyt is wonderful. I love Hoyt. I want to meet Hoyt. Clearly. In the article, Rodriguez McRobbie references back to a study done in 2013, where Frank McAndrew, a psychologist at Knox College in Illinois, and Sarah Koki, a graduate student, published a paper where they discuss what creepiness means. The paper was based on the results of a survey of more than 1,300 people investigating what creeped them out, pretty much. Mm. Doll collecting came high on the list of one of the most creepy things. Naturally. And McAndrew explains that creepiness really comes down to pretty much uncertainty. Yeah. Quote, you're getting mixed messages. If something is clearly frightening, you scream, you run away. If something is disgusting, you know how to act, he explains. But if something is creepy, it might be dangerous, but you're not sure it is. There's an ambivalence. The same thing can be applied to social norms, like we were talking about, and when someone is acting outside the norms, like standing too close, staring, or sitting next to you when all the other seats are vacant. Yeah. We become suspicious of their intentions. But in the absence of real evidence of a threat, we wait. And in the meantime, we call that creepy. The good thing about this creeped out state is that we become hyper vigilant. We are watchful and prepared for danger. It really focuses your attention and helps you process any relevant information to help you decide whether there is something to be afraid of or not. I really think creepiness is where we respond in situations where we don't have enough information to respond, but we have enough to put us on guard. Yeah. Dolls land in the area of uncertainty because they look human, but we know they're not. Our brains are designed to read faces with that, taking information about intentions, emotions, and potential threats. Yeah. We're so in tuned or primed even to see faces that we begin to see them just about everywhere. Like Jesus on a toast. Yeah. This primal phenomenon is coined pareidolia. So the thing is that we know that the doll most likely isn't dangerous, but it looks so human. So maybe it has other human tendencies. So I believe this this is me speaking now, that many times this pareidolia tendency can stretch into us seeing human tendencies like the twitching of an eye or muscles in the face move in a doll even, even though it's not necessarily possessed. Yeah. I cannot explain the hair though. The hair is certainly creepy. Yeah. And the thing is that our minds know that we shouldn't be scared of a piece of plastic or porcelain, but there are characteristics that you as a human communicate with. This is a social aspect to the doll. They look human, but I can't treat them like a human person, a human person entirely. And is the part that we don't know, is that what's making them dangerous? Yeah. There's been an ongoing debate where the fear of dolls began. Many blame Hollywood, but in the article it claims that dolls were scary long before Hollywood, and that the fad started when, like I stated previously, the doll became more animated and really realistic. During this time, artists and authors began exploring how the doll could become a thing of evil or terror, and tales of German writer E.T. Hoffman are widely seen as the beginning of the creepy automaton doll genre. Hoffman wrote The Sandman in 1816 already. Oh shit. Yeah. Which is about a man who falls in love or becomes infatuated with a woman who turns out to be a wind-up doll created by an evil alchemist. Fuck. Mm -hmm. That's creepy, actually. <laughs> However, the story doesn't circulate around the girl's evilness or murderous intent. Rather, how the protagonist could be tricked by her beauty, even though she's not alive. 
The article states that during the 19th century, the creepy doll stories were actually more about the evil doll maker than the doll itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was during the 20th century that the dolls actually turned evil, or the dolls had an evil human turning the dolls evil. Mm. Like in Todd Browning's 1936, The Devil Doll, and then followed the many movies I stated earlier. You know the list. Yeah. <laughs> Director of The Conjuring, John Leonetti, told the Huffington Post that dolls, they make an exceptional vehicle for horror films. Mm. This is a quote. If you think about them, most dolls are emulating a human figure, said Leonetti. But they're missing one big thing, which is motion. So they're shells. It's a natural, psychological, and justifiable vehicle for demons to take over. If you look at a doll in its eyes, it just stares. That's creepy. They're hollow inside. And that space needs to be filled. Mm. Dun, dun, dun. So with that said, I think, I think it's then very natural to fill the emptiness of a doll with something sinister, evil, or just like human tendencies. Yeah. And this sinister or haunted filler we give to dolls has a historical aspect as well. When we look at like puppets, puppets and effigies and voodoo dolls, which were created by early peoples for either religious or ceremonial purposes, we're filling them with our energy or spiritualities and such. Puppets are dolls which are created to represent a person for either casting spells on that person or aiding them through magic. An effigy is a representation of a specific person in the form of sculpture or some other three-dimensional medium. And I think most people know of an effigy into which pins are inserted, which is the voodoo doll. And whether the voodoo doll is a modern construct or not, at the moment it isn't up for debate. We will say that another time, maybe. Mm -hmm. So I think... The phenomenon of the haunted doll is a mixture of all cultures over time working together to create a melt pot of fear which we can just fill a hollow doll with. Yeah, but I think it's very important that part you mentioned about, you know, all the earliest forms of dolls have been sort of a representation of another of, of a living person. Yeah, they've had a purpose more than just being a fun thing for a child. Yeah, or just like a human-like thing. It, it's had a person that they're sort of attached to. And I think that's kind of poignant when it comes to doll possession. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, that's I want to point that out. That's that's it for the science part. <laughs> You're done. I am done with the science now, and uh, I think it's time to just tell them stories. About yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I got a short one to start off with, and that is the story of Letta. Okay. So Letta must be the absolutely creepiest doll really any of the ones that i've chosen to talk about today at least when it comes to appearance not so much in what he does oh it's a it's a male yeah okay letta came into the possession of carrie walton in brisbane australia when carrie's grandmother died and he returned to the neighborhood he had grown up in to attend the funeral as a boy carrie had been terrified of this old abandoned house on the street he grew up on and as he was returning to the area he figured he would pay the house a visit naturally as he walked through the house, he was relieved to find that there were no demons nor any spirits that immediately attacked him, sort of like he had expected as a kid. Um, but upon leaving the house, he took a look underneath the porch and found a large marionette that he felt compelled to take with him home. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. Now, Lord knows why the fuck is literally my next <laughs> sentence, because this is the creepiest looking doll I have ever seen. First of all, he's rather big, and he's a goddamn marionette, so he has these weird, almost bony, bendy limbs. Uh-huh. His brown hair, later confirmed to be human, by the way, Naturally. is tied in a low ponytail, and oh. he wears this dark green suit. 
But the worst part is his face, which is twisted in this sort of like maniacal grin showing his teeth. And he's got this huge, very like hooked nose. And his eyes are very humanoid-like, but strangely huge. So Carrie began to realize that it wasn't just him that was unusually obsessed with the doll. Dogs hated it and would bark viciously at it. Children in the family began having nightmares. And whenever the doll was taken outside, it would rain. So Carrie takes the doll to a psychic, where he is informed that the doll is over 200 years old and was handmade by a Romani woman whose son had drowned. So she created a doll that was as lifelike as possible, even putting a little hand-carved brain into the head of the doll, like underneath the scalp, which would never have been seen. Who does that? Someone who's trying to make a replica of her son. And then she gave it the hair of her dead son. An expert did take a look at the doll later and confirmed that the doll was indeed up to 200 years old and originated from Eastern Europe, which would confirm the Romani heritage of the woman that the psychic had claimed made the doll, as well as the doll's hair being human. And people who come across the doll all confirm that there is something incredibly lifelike about him, almost as if the doll possesses a human soul. Letta, of course, like so many other haunted dolls, will change facial expressions, move the position of his limbs on his own, and people even claim to hear the doll whisper, Letta me out, which is where he gets his name. (laughs) Mm. Supposedly, Letta has even moved in front of people, and around the home there have been like little scuff marks found, as if they're from Letta's shoes. Carrie, however, claims that Letta has brought him nothing but incredibly good fortune, And when he eventually tried to sell the doll, he was overcome with this extreme feeling of having to keep him. So to this day, Letta is in Carrie's possession, and I guess they're living happily ever after? (laughs) Part of me sort of hopes so. I hope that he has a family that loves him. Yeah, and I think, you know, there would make, it would make sense, because if he found this doll under the porch of an abandoned house, and he took it home, and cared for it because he he loves this fucking doll yeah you know it would make sense that if there is some kind of spiritual connection that it would provide him with good luck because he, they chose each other kind of yeah he helped him out he's gonna help him out oh that's sort of sweet but also let me out <laughs> what the fuck i mean what's wrong with george <laughs> or bob well okay then mm-hmm Uh, I feel so much better when we do true crime because serial killers make me feel better. (laughs) Well, I saved the best one for last, and that is a little lady named Peggy. I really love that name. I just have to say that. I really do, too. It's such a pretty and just adorable name. Yeah. um, She might be the one that actually messed with me when I I researched this. Uh, All right. So Peggy's slightly more modern than the other ones. Oh, okay. Uh, And she came into the possession of Jane Harris, who's been studying spirit attachments since the year 2000. Oh, it's freaky fresh. Yeah, I don't know if the doll is freaky fresh, but the the case definitely is. What an insult. (laughs) No, but it it, it plays in. Okay. Um, Harris runs an organization named Haunted Dolls, where she will visit people in possession of dolls that they claim to be haunted and basically investigate. But... Peggy was sent to her by a woman who claimed that she couldn't handle having the doll around her anymore. The woman claimed that she had been enduring a series of terrible nightmares that left her hot and shaken long after, and no matter where she moved the doll, the nightmares persisted. 
A priest had come to try and exorcise whatever spirit might be stuck within the doll, but to no avail. When the woman eventually fell ill and began suffering from hallucinations, she knew that she had to get rid of the doll. And so she stumbled upon Jane Harris's website and sent her Peggy. That's like such a like mean thing to do. <laughs> now I'm, I'm I'm assuming that she wants dolls, but I like, mean that's her job. It's, that's her gig. It's your problem now. <laughs> um, and Jane Harris was claiming that you know they had some conversations, and she was saying that she could come to her house and try okay. to deal with it. But she was like, no, I just take it off my hands. Not my problem now, Uh So Jane Harris is continuously doing sessions with Peggy in order to try and understand what could be going on and updating her followers with video and pictures throughout, because as I mentioned, she has this organization. She recorded one of these sessions and published it on her website, and after that, Harris received up to 80 messages from people who had watched the video and claimed they began feeling nauseous, lightheaded, chest pains, and crippling migraines after seeing the image of Peggy. Some even told her they had flashing visions of what looked like mental institutions and treatment bordering on abuse and overwhelming feelings of anxiety. I'm sweating profusely at the moment. <laughs> Other people claim that light bulbs have exploded when looking at pictures of Peggy online, and several seem to have had computer issues when her photo has been up. The screen freezing and the computer shutting down, followed by the room getting cold. And I'm sorry, I'm just laughing really hard because I'm just realizing how nope you are around this. How could you even think that I would be able to like do this week's Instagram? How did you think that I was going to press that little save as button? <laughs> let that land on my desktop, casually pull that to our drive, and then... Oh, yeah, once again, download it to my cell phone and then whoops a doop a doo onto the Instagram. <laughs> Make her yo problem. <laughs> well, um, four different psychics have assisted Harris in her quest to find out the truth about Peggy. And two of them claim that there is a connection to the Holocaust. Uh, and that oh, that's so heartbreaking. Yeah, that perhaps the spirit that resides in Peggy was a victim of the Holocaust. Peggy has a tendency to show up in people's dreams, too. One woman claims that Peggy had come to her in her dream to warn her about one of her cats. Oh, okay, that's very sweet. Okay, yeah. I'm okay then. The next morning, the cat fell very ill, and later it, it passed. So, you know, Peggy seems to be bringing messages that are important. She wants to help, sort of. Yeah. yeah. One of the methods of investigation that has been used is automatic writing. And Lene, I've, I've told you about automatic writing before. Um, it's something that I've experimented with. But if people don't know what it is, it's basically putting yourself in a state of uh, meditation where you are kind of a vessel for... I've used it in order to kind of have my spirit guides mm -hmm. uh, communicate messages to me through me writing automatically but not reflecting on what I'm writing. Yeah. So basically the words just... I'm kind of just channeling. Sort them. of how I talk every single time. <laughs> <laughs> well, um... They've been doing this with Peggy, but channeling her okay. through psychics. So during one of these sessions, words such as star and David came up, which also alludes to Peggy's Jewish heritage. And I kind of feel like there's, because she's wearing a cross in a lot of the photos that I've seen with her. She has different outfits, but one is like this white dress, and then she has a crucifix around her neck. Which feels really disrespectful if... Extremely disrespectful, and also, do you think that maybe people who have been afraid of her have put the cross on her maybe yeah but the thing is that she from the moment that jane harris got her she hasn't left her 
You know, she still has her, and she's very protective of Peggy. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, that's extremely disrespectful. Yeah. But it feels like, I don't know, if she is as, um, quote-unquote, vocal as she is, she feels like she should have, like, sort of maybe indicated that this, I don't know, I'm very scared at the moment. Well, one thing in particular that I found incredibly interesting is that during an automatic writing session, a few words that the psychic had written down were, Lindy, girl, explanation, draw a line. So they post a picture of this onto their Facebook page of Peggy along with the paper with the words on it. And it caught the attention of a woman who had been experiencing some paranormal activity related to Peggy since she started following the Haunted Doll organization. Can you guess what her name was? No. Lindy. Yes, of course. Well, so Lindy claimed that whenever she would post anything relating to Peggy, her comments would duplicate on Facebook. Interesting. Every single one of them. Her dog had become nervous and started barking, and her face became flushed, and she claimed she felt as though she wasn't alone. Lindy ended up apologizing to Peggy, and all her symptoms disappeared. Without much context, for obvious personal reasons, Lindy claimed that the interaction with Peggy inspired her to have a long overdue conversation with her daughter on how to deal with her mental health problems. Lindy claimed that the conversation went incredibly well, And she almost felt as if Peggy was helping her say what needed to be said. So you can imagine her shock when she logs into Facebook days later and finds the picture of Peggy holding the paper that says, Lindy, girl, explanation, draw a line. Which perfectly summarized the conversation that Lindy had had with her daughter. She obviously had no idea that the automatic writing session was going to happen. And Jane Harris, along with her psychic, of course, knew nothing about Lindy's family issues because they're completely unrelated people. Yeah. Now, Harris has been contacted by vast amounts of paranormal investigation teams wanting to work with Peggy, but she's keeping the doll protected and taking care of all the investigation herself for now. And Peggy keeps being Peggy. Um, Harris says she still feels pretty drained and almost sickly whenever working with Peggy. One cool thing I thought was uh, once she had been doing a session with the doll and taking a lot of notes while her pendulum was going crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next morning, she can't find her notebook. Until she finally finds it, placed up in the joists of the ceiling in the basement of her home, in a spot where she couldn't even reach it. She posted a picture of the notebook in its odd location, and people who saw it felt like it would be probably best for Harris not to share the information she had gained that night, since Peggy seemed to be going to great lengths to prevent her. Yeah. Um, but that being said, Jane Harris put out a book in 2015 called What Dwells Within, co-written by Dan Weatherer about her studies on spirit attachment. And I, for one, intend to read that. Oh, you are going to read that? You are not allowed to tell me a single word from that book. No, and I will not. Yeah. Like you said, I think it's incredibly important to know that, you know, a lot of these fates relating to dolls who are claimed to be haunted are of children enduring really horrible things. Mm -hmm. And it's children where really bad things have happened to them and it almost feels disrespectful to just be like, ooh, she's creepy, Yeah, you know? Because every single thing, sure, Peggy has supposedly made people feel bad and uh, caused people to have malicious experiences. But we don't know in what tone she has been discussed. And whenever she has been invited, I guess, in a way that, you know, she has shown up in someone's dream or she has 
like this woman was saying, she felt like Peggy was urging her to have this conversation with her daughter. And it went so much better than she ever thought it would. She sort of becomes like a spirit guide. Right? And I think it, there is also the how much power you give her. And I don't think there's so much discussion in whether it is haunted or not. If she felt that Peggy took care of her, mm. then it doesn't matter, really. If yeah. she felt good and better and she felt like she could mend this relationship, then all power to her. Yeah. And to Peggy. I don't know. And I, I think there is something if you... Because I do believe in haunted objects or possessions and stuff. Mm. Uh, I want to be a skeptic to everything, but I do believe that. And a lot of things I'm like, ah, really though? Yeah. But I think to this, if we're going to go, if we're going to say that this is for real haunting and possession, I think there's something that you said there that was very profound and heartbreaking. And that is, what if this doll or soul or spirit connected it has a really tormented and terrible past? Yeah. And the respect they're getting isn't even there, doesn't even exist. People are just like, it's disgusting, it's creepy, it's ugly. When it's just like a really confused spirit or soul or and maybe Peggy just wants to help. Exactly, and then that's the thing too, that the way that she supposedly makes people feel, you know, these physical um, lightheadedness, all those things, I don't think that that is necessarily her trying to inflict harm on people. I think it's more likely that just like ghosts have a tendency to kind of remain in the state of emotion that is kind of raw and painful. Like, for example, it's it's much more likely to have a haunted apartment if the person who lived there died from an overdose. Wait, what? Well, I just mean that spirits who have had a very tormenting death moment. Oh, you mean that way. Yeah, if it's not... If it's not like a peaceful falling asleep. Yeah, yeah, and also if it was just, you know, suicidal deaths. Uh, a person who has been in great amounts of anxiety. And I thought it was really interesting the whole part about people seeing like flashing images of insane asylums. Mm -hmm. Because that could technically be the gas chambers. Yeah, absolutely. And the way that they were referring to people being treated almost like um, abusively. Yeah. Yeah, the Nazis did that, yeah. you know. Um, I guess it's just a matter of frame of reference because there is that like cold clinical attribute to both of those things, both the concentration camps and the insane asylums back in the day. And I think that, you know, if there is such a thing that's going on with Peggy, it's no wonder that she has a lot, she carries a lot of dread and she carries a lot of fear. And uh, I mean, God, you know, you don't even want to imagine what it was like to be there and to witness that. Mm -hmm. So I think that if that is a feeling that people get, I don't think it's because she's trying to make people feel a certain way. I think it's because that is an emotion that is attached to her spirit and it just by natural happens. Mm -hmm. I do want to point out though the um, lightheadedness, the burning cheeks, uh, the sweating, all that. I mean, I think that that has, is very psychological and... That's I, I need to put that because I've been feeling that ever since you talked about Robert. <laughs> yeah. No, because I'm like, like, it's looking around and like freaking out. And I think that that's more coming from inside. Probably. Uh, I, mean, I, I, I think it's a mixture though. But from I think a, a lot of people can see a photo and apply so much on themselves there. And, you, you know, especially if there is such a thing as... Because I know that the woman who... Uh, Lindy who received that message from Peggy, 
um, I know that she was an aspiring medium. So there is a, a possibility that she sees an image of Peggy and she receives a lot more information than just the picture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there might be other things that work there where you're kind of channeling something by looking at her face if you possess those skills. Yeah. Um, no, but what I was thinking about was that uh, when I was doing this research, it made me feel weird because it was like, all right, people feel fucked up things when they see her face. Mm-hmm. And of course, every article had huge... <laughs> pictures yeah. of her face so i was like are, are all right there a lot of articles out there yes oh there are a lot of okay yeah because this is a modern thing and because that video where supposedly over 80 people were like fuck i don't feel good yeah contacted jane harris is still out there i didn't watch it by the way no i'm not about that life <laughs> <laughs> you but, do you you do your best i'm gonna do my best yeah um but basically you know i was i i did feel lightheaded but it might also be you know <laughs> I've been really sick. I was listening to Tool's entire discography. (laughs) (laughs) It has that effect on me. Um, So, you know, but it was also like this very tense feeling because you're being constantly told that you're supposed to be feeling this. Yeah. Yeah. And I can't say that I did. That's not to say that Peggy isn't somehow uh, a spirit vessel. But, you know, I think it's kind of unfair to kind of attribute her to all these like evil through a computer screen type of thing but what's so attractive about her as a phenomenon is of course that it kind of correlates to the new age of hauntings and possessions like in the past few years there have been so many movies that come out that you know are about horror movies specifically that are about uh things that happen on the internet people watching you through the computer that shit because it's relevant to our generation mm-hmm. because it's technology that we grew up with and that we somehow take for granted and we feel very safe with because we're accustomed to it but then what happens when that sort of becomes a tool of harm oh i'm just i'm just bathing in your facts <laughs> <laughs> well um and crying <laughs> we're going to we're going to round off uh, I think we need to do some self-care with Linnea. Yeah. I'm going to pet you and I'm going to give you tea. Uh, yes, I think that's a good good idea. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we pay all our respects to all the dolls we've spoken about in this episode. Absolutely. And all the spirits that might be with those dolls. And uh, with that being said, to high winds and mermaids, and may you live for as long as you want. Life is very, very short, so make sure to live. And I need to... Listen to this. Live and not fear. Yeah. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye.